Hey everybody, welcome to Arendelle Bible Chapel for our online service. Thanks so much for joining us. Wherever you are, whether you're watching or listening, so glad you're part of, uh, of our time here together today. For all the dads out there, happy Father's Day. Uh, this is your day, and so we hope you have a, a great day, and uh, you just enjoy the blessings of God in your life and, um, and the people who are most precious to you. So uh, this is your day. We're going to have a little something special for the dads here in just, uh, in just a few minutes in our service. Uh, just before we go any further, a couple of quick announcements for those of you who call Arendelle Bible Chapel your home. Make sure that you are reading your newsletter that comes out every week, tells you what's going on here uh, at the church. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then there might be a problem, okay? Every Tuesday, it goes out by email, all right? So if you if you haven't got an email from us in a while, then there's probably something wrong. We, I don't know what happened, but you let us know, okay? Give us a call at 905-277-4618 or email us at office at arendale.org and let us know that you want to receive our newsletter and we'll get you on the list. Uh, anything that's happening or, or any plans that we may or may not have in in the coming weeks for reopening, you'll read about it there first, okay? Also, this past Tuesday in the newsletter, there is a link there for a survey, a simple two-question survey, where we're asking uh, the members of our church, anybody who attends here, uh, how they feel about the possibility of reopening, given the allowance of being able to have up to 30% capacity here in our church building. We want to know how you feel about that. So if you would, even today, just, just go back in your email. If you haven't already, go back in there, uh, open that up, click the link, fill out the surveys. Two, two questions. It'll take you less than a minute. We really want to hear from you, okay? And uh, maybe we'll send that uh, the link again this Tuesday, and we'll probably close off the survey uh, middle of this week. So uh, we want to hear from you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, those of you who took some time uh, to do that survey for us. Hey, listen, this is the day that the Lord has made. We'll, we will be glad and rejoice in it. Uh, wh why? Because, because God is God and God is good and he has loved us in Christ. So today, let's, let's unite our hearts together as we're scattered around. Let's unite our hearts together in worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe before we go any further, I'll just commit our service and you to the Lord in prayer. Fathers, we bow in your presence today. We do so, Lord, with a longing, Lord, to, to draw near to you, Lord, to hear from you, to know again, to know afresh of your love for us and your presence with us. Lord, you are so good to us. You're so faithful and you're so able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think. Lord, you're worthy of our affections. You're worthy of our worship. You're worthy, Lord, of our very lives. Lord, today we, we want to honor you. And Lord, we, we need to hear from you. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak. I pray this morning for those uh, who are watching or listening, who are maybe hurting. Perhaps there's family pain or financial pressure that they're enduring, maybe health concerns. Uh, Lord, there's, you know the burdens, uh, the, the, maybe the parenting challenges. Lord, you know all that's going on in, in the lives of those who are with us today. I pray, Lord, that they would experience real grace from you. I think of the Crawford family here in our own church, Lord, of the passing of Barbara uh, last week. And we just pray for your comfort for them. And many people here in our church who knew her and loved her, Lord, that 
uh, that you would give them great comfort in Christ Jesus. We think of the, uh, the struggles that we're, we're having here in, in our own community, the terrible tragedy in the north end of Brampton this week, Lord, a mother and her children um, in that horrific car accident. Lord, we pray for that husband who has lost his family, oh God. We pray, we pray for him, for comfort for him, oh God. And um, uh, Lord, we just, uh, we just commit that whole tragic situation to you, Lord. And things like this just make us long more for you to come, Lord Jesus. We think of the ongoing struggle of the, with the pandemic, and uh, we pray for our governing officials. You give them wisdom as they seek to manage this. For our frontline workers, Lord, for protection for them. And that you would guide them, Lord, in caring for those who are sick. And would you give all of us together patience and uh, a, a, a humility and just a, a kind of perseverance that we need to... Uh, to honor you, to love our neighbor, and to press on in faith, and to press on in joy in the midst of this difficult time. Lord, there's many other burdens, many other concerns that are on our hearts today. Father, we come to you and ask that you would minister to us in a very special way today. We, um, we commit this time to you. Uh, the worship, your word, Lord, it's your word. We, we pray that you would do great things today. In Jesus' great name we pray.
2nd John verses 2, 3, and 4. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in in truth. I'm most grateful for my dad because the love and care that he demonstrated so consistently to me and my sister and my brother growing up made it very easy for us to relate to God as a loving Heavenly Father. I love you dad. Happy Father's Day. I'm grateful for my father because he has taught me the majority of things that I need to learn through life. He's been here supporting us, me and my family, providing for us doing the best he can and honestly just him being here is a blessing to all of us and we'll always love him. I love my father because he's fun and lovable and he is always there for us and I am grateful for my father because he provides for us, he loves and cares for us, he teaches us how to do new things and he helps us grow in our faith. The one thing that comes to mind about my dad is that he's always been such an encourager. Whenever I face any difficulties, he would always say, Oh, don't worry, God has something better then. And that attitude has helped me have this confidence that in this life, God works all things together for our good. So I'm really grateful to my dad for, for our father because he teaches me valuable life lessons. He leads us in the family prayer and he corrects our mistakes. Um, you know, uh, good work ethics, really. And, um, you know, so uh, we have worked hard through our lives and we have done well, all of my siblings and I. And um, I also um, i am grateful that he has kept us on the straight and narrow through our I'm lives. grateful for my dad because he is nice, he believes in Jesus, and he plays with me when I'm bored or sad. I know my dad loves me because he works hard to earn money to buy me good clothes and food and toys. I am grateful for our dad because he is loving and forgiving and always there. And because he encourages us to pursue all of our endeavors and supports us along the way. Happy Father's Day!
saying that God will never give you more than what you can handle? God will never give you more than what you can handle. That sounds really comforting, doesn't it? You know, I mean, there, you may indeed have, uh, have uh, pressures building and problems mounting and pain increasing, but rest assured, God will never get it beyond whatever level it is that you can take. As, as nice as that sounds, the, the only problem with that statement is it's not true. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God will not give you or not allow to come into your life more than what you can handle. It does say that in the face of temptation, he'll provide you a way of escape. 
You're no longer a slave to sin. You have freedom from the power of sin in Christ. He will provide you a way of escape. But nowhere does the Bible say that God will not allow you to, God will not allow into your life more than what you can handle. In fact, actually quite the opposite. We see in scripture that very often, you might even say regularly, God allows uh, uh, difficult circumstances, enormous challenges into the lives of his people, even good godly people, so much so that they, they sometimes feel like they don't think they can do it. They can't bear up under it. I think, for example, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, he said this, he said, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced. Now listen to how he describes his afflictions. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. I don't think Paul the Apostle believed that God will never give you more than what you can handle. He said, we were despairing of life itself. Things got so bad. In other words, we were in way over our heads. We, we felt like we couldn't keep going. We couldn't take it any longer. We couldn't bear up under it. It was going to be, we felt it was impossible to get through it. And maybe you know something about that. I know in the book of Hebrews, the people to whom the book of Hebrews was written, Hebrews was written, those people, um, uh, they knew all about that too. In, in fact, they experienced serious problems in their lives. And, and, and frankly, they had grown quite weary. For them, they had suffered a lot of persecution, a lot of opposition. And uh, they were quite fatigued. It had cost them dearly. Uh, they were disheartened and discouraged, and some of them were beginning to drift from their commitment to Christ. Uh, they were stepping back from serving the Lord. Some had even kind of quit coming to church, and, uh, and many were, were tempted to kind of go back into the life that they had left when they met Christ. Some were on the verge of giving up on God and were, were really sort of, for, for some, their, their faith was just hanging on, hanging on by a thread. Uh, they had had all that they could take. They, they knew that that statement, God will never give you more than you can handle, they knew that's not true. And maybe you know that too. Maybe you've experienced it. Perhaps you find yourself in a situation that feels kind of impossible. Maybe you're in a marriage right now where you are called by God to live with someone and to love someone that you don't really understand. And they maybe don't really understand you. You, you find maybe that your marriage is, is, a, lot, is a lot harder than it, it should be. And you feel like, well, maybe you're, you're kind of tempted, you're tempted to give up. You know, this is harder than I thought it would be. It's harder than it should be. And I'm not sure I'm cut out for this. Maybe in your parenting, you feel kind of in over your head on that. You, you feel like, you know, whether it's, it's a, a little person that you're, you're uh, being a parent to or not so little person. And you may feel perplexed and under pressure and, and maybe worn out and, and drained. Maybe, you're, maybe God's called you to be a light for him in a difficult workplace or in a dark, on a, in a dark school, spiritually dark school, and, and you, you feel very alone in that. Or, or maybe to be a light in, your, your, in a community group or in your neighborhood, and you, you're feeling some pressure under that, some weight under that, and, and you're not sure that you can carry through. Perhaps you're experiencing right now what we might call a crisis of faith, where you're frustrated with God and you can't seem to make sense of your circumstances. It weighs on you day and night, experiencing maybe some disappointments. You got some questions that haven't been answered. Instead of being spiritually strong, you feel spiritually sluggish. 
the question is, is what do, what do you do? Like, okay, Ross, okay, okay, we're done with that statement that God will never give us more than we, what we can handle, but we're still called in Scripture to persevere and to press on in the, in the Lord. So the question is, how do you do that? How, how, do, you, how do you keep going when, when it's so hard? How do you keep uh, striving forward? How do you, where do you go to find the power you need to persevere? Well, that's, I think, what our scripture text today uh, so beautifully and importantly addresses, or powerfully addresses, is finding the power to persevere. And the author of Hebrews, you know, as I said a moment ago, he wrote to people who knew all about struggle, and he challenged them to keep pressing on to the Lord, but not only challenged them to do that, he showed them something of how to do it. And that's what I want to share with you today. So would you open up your Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, and we're going to read from verses 19 to 25. Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 25, and the title of my message today is Finding the Power to Persevere. Finding the Power to Persevere. How do you, how do you keep on going when you're not sure that you can keep on going? How do you press on for the Lord under the pressure that just seems so impossible sometimes to bear. Well, that's what this text addresses for us. And what I'm going to show you today is there's, there's three exhortations. Um, there's, there's three imperative actions that we're to take that are, we ought to see as, as God's grace to us to enable us to, to press on and to, to persevere. Uh, so I want, want you to see that. Okay. Three very important things. Now, I hope you're comfortable where you are, because I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm in the church auditorium right now, and it is sweltering in here. I'm not complaining. I'm just commenting, okay? So if I faint in the midst of this video, uh, you'll know the heat got to me, all right? But have you got to Hebrews 10 yet? Okay, I'm going to try and persevere here physically as I try to help you to persevere spiritually in the Lord. And I think the help this passage gives to us is so, so critical. In fact, just before I read the passage, let me just pray one more time. Lord, I just ask that you would shine, shine your light, that your, your Holy Spirit would illuminate for us what's on the page in front of us, so that we not only comprehend what it says, but that we would embrace it and internalize it, and that you would strengthen us through the grace that you have for us here in this text. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what the author of Hebrews says. Again, he, he repeatedly calls uh, his readers to press on in the Lord. And here he gives them uh, three helpers, three, three actions there to take in order to, uh, to keep pressing on in the Lord. And you'll hear it because you'll hear the word, let us. You'll hear that phrase three times. And um, uh, well, let's just, let me just read it. I'll just be quiet and read, okay? Uh, therefore, verse 19, therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us, here's the first one, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed 
with pure water. In other words, we're purified from sin, so let us draw near to God. Verse 23, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast. Here's a second. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's the day that's drawing near? I think the return of Christ. And so as we're getting closer to every day to the return of Christ, this is it's even more and more important that you do what we're being called to do here in this text. So how do you keep going? Where's, where's the power to persevere? How do we access that? How, what, what grace does God have for us? I think he has three things for us here in this text. The first thing that we're told to do here is that we must draw near to God personally. We must draw near to God personally, you personally, me personally. We must draw near to him. Did you notice that in verse 22? He says, let us draw near. Now where? Well, well, the context, it talks about, it means, I think, drawing near to God. In verses 19 to 21, it talks about the, the access that Jesus has made for us to God by his death for us on the cross. Christ made the way for us to come to God by dying for our sin. The barrier of sin when we trust in Jesus is removed because Christ died for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sin. And uh, Jesus is, uh, he is our, our high priest. It says that in verse 21, we have a great high priest. And what that means is he's the, he's the mediator for us, between us and God. He represents us before God. And he, having died for our sins and now arisen, uh, stands before God and makes intercession for us, not pleading to let us in, but thereby his, his very presence, the nail-scarred hands, having died for our sins and arisen from the dead and conquering sin and death. He's made a way for us to know God and, and now, and now to, to have communion with God, friendship with God, fellowship with God. So the point that that leads us to in verse 22 is that we're to enjoy that. We are to take advantage of that. We are to draw near to God personally. This is this exhortation. It's a, a command for us. It's a directive. We need to draw near to God initially by repenting of our sin and believing on Jesus. But then having entered into that relationship with the Lord, we are to draw near to him continually. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, you do it in many ways that God has given. One way in which we draw near to him is through prayer, by talking to God. If you talk to God today, we've talked to God a couple of times in this service here. We, we're drawing near to him. We're not staying at a distance to him. We're being relationally near. And my call for you, my challenge for you is for you to draw near to God personally, you yourself, in prayer. Not only in prayer, but also in his word. When we open up the Bible and read, we believe that the, the scriptures are God-breathed. In other words, they come from God. That 2 Timothy 3 and 16 tells us that. So when we read our Bibles, that's a means by which we draw near to God 
to listen and to, to receive from him into our minds and into our hearts his thoughts, his commands, um, to, see, uh, to see glimpses of who he is and what he's like, to talk to him in prayer, to hear from him through his word. We also draw near to God when we worship God, right? And we express to him, oftentimes it's in song, uh, sometimes it's just in our praises of God, and sometimes it's in acts of service as a kind of worship to Lord, to, to, of, of the Lord. We draw near to God in prayer, in word, in worship, in thanksgiving, when we thank him. Of course, that's a, a form of prayer, isn't it? But the point is, is that we, we are given by Jesus an intimate, personal relationship with God. And if you and I are going to keep pressing on for the Lord in this life, then we are going to need to cultivate that. We need to draw near to him. I love Psalm 119 and verse 10. Listen to what the psalmist says there. He says, with my whole heart, I seek you. Now, it's a prayer. He says, with my whole heart to God. He says, with my whole heart, not half-heartedly, but wholeheartedly, with my whole heart, I seek you. And then he says, let me not wander from your commandments. There's interesting connection there. He sees there is a vital connection between, on one hand, being faithful to God and living for him, and on the other hand, being near to God, relationally. So he says, with my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. Drawing near to God is vital to persevering. Oftentimes we talk about the importance of, of spending time regularly, if not daily, with the Lord. And that is one vital way in which we cultivate that, which we actually do draw near. But of course, we don't just do that on our own. We do it sometimes together. Maybe it's a, in, in a group like on Wednesday nights when some of us gather together to pray. You're welcome to join us too, to pray with us online on Wednesday nights. We come together to draw near to God. Uh, sometimes we do it in, in small gatherings of two or, or three people. Uh, maybe in your small group sometimes you'll have a time of being in, your, in God's word and talking to him, You're drawing near to him. You do it. But here's the thing. You need to do it personally. That's what I mean. What I mean is, is not necessarily in isolation from each other, but you yourself actually drawing near to God. It's a privilege that Jesus has made for you, but it's also necessary for you to have the power to keep going. It's important for us to bear that in mind. Loved ones, we need to draw near to him. Uh, it's, it's a great thing. Some of us, some of us, are far too distant from the Lord. I was, as I was working on this, I was reminded of a number of years ago, I went to, uh, to London, England, and went to Buckingham Palace. And some, some of you have been there and you've, you've seen it. I, I still kind of fairly vividly remember going to it. So it's just this big, beautiful building. And uh, the, around the outside of it, is a big tall gate okay much taller than me and and it's kind of nice and ornate looking but it's a gate and the gate was closed and if somehow some way you were to get through that gate get over it get under it or break through it there are guards in front if i recall they're wearing the big tall furry hats right and they have the countenance on them that lets you know that you're not welcome 
Okay. Now, maybe you've had a, a tour of uh, Buckingham Palace. The day I was there, there was no tours being offered. There was a big tall gate and guards that were implicitly saying, thus far and no further. You can look, but you can't come in. I wonder how many of you uh, maybe treat God like that. Like he is a subject to discuss. He is someone to know about. But don't you know that in Christ, he is to be known. He's to be savored. We're to draw near to him. And when we do, we find grace to get through today. And when tomorrow comes, we find grace again to get through tomorrow. It's vitally important that we draw near to God. That's, that's how we're going to persevere. That's how we're going to keep going. That's how you're going to not give up, is by drawing near to God. That's the first thing we're called to do. But it's not the only thing we're called to do. There's, there's another thing. In verse 23, we're told to do something else. Did you notice what it says? It says there, verse 23, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Now, I put it this way, where the first exhortation is that we, we, are, we must draw near to God personally. The second exhortation is we must hold the gospel tightly. Hold the gospel tightly. It says, hold fast to the confession of our hope. Now, the confession of our hope is the hope that we have in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel. So I just put it this way, we, we, need to, we need to draw near to God personally, but we also need to hold the gospel tightly. Hold fast. If you hold fast to something, you're, you're holding on to it. You are clinging to it. And he says to do so without wavering. In other words, not letting go. And I'm not, not veering from this clutch that I have on Jesus and on the good news of the forgiveness of sins and the the welcome that I have as a child of God by faith in Christ. I remember, uh, and I've told a bunch of you this story before, but uh, I think it was about a couple of years ago, I was in Haiti, and uh, we're down there, down there with a friend of mine, Pastor West Hill, and we were doing some pastoral training with some wonderful church leaders. And on the way home, though, we ran into a problem. On the way back to the airport, there was, uh, there was a huge protest going on, and our vehicle couldn't get through. We were just totally stuck in traffic, not going anywhere, uh, because it, just, it was just traffic for miles. And it was getting pretty obvious that we're not going to make our flight. Well, the person who was uh, responsible for getting us to the airport was very resourceful. And on the spot, he, he hired some motorcycles to get us to the airport because, you know, as you've seen, maybe on the streets in the GTA, you've seen the, the motorcyclists weaving through traffic, right? Well, hey... The car can't get through, but a motorcycle can get through traffic. And if you can't get between the cars, well, you can get up on the sidewalk and you can make your way through. Well, here's the thing. Those of you who know me well, you know, I am not a thrill seeker, okay? Being alive is enough of a thrill for me. Thank you very much. Uh, so getting on the back of a motorcycle in the midst of this kind of traffic is just, I mean, it's, it's kind of beyond me, all right? It's like, there's more than I can take. And I remember getting on there, and um, uh, the, I noticed that most, the manly thing to do is you, you know, you hold on behind yourself. Uh-uh, not for me. I got my arm around that guy driving, and I held on to him. And I don't care how it makes me look. I don't care if it looks like I'm a chicken. The truth is, I am a chicken. So I just held on tight, and I am, I am not letting go. I held on to him like he was the best friend I ever had. And all the way to the airport. 
Obviously, the story ended well. I made it there alive, uh, in large part because I held on to him and didn't let go. Just like I was holding on to my driver that day, you and I, we got to hold on to the gospel and hold on to Jesus and who we are and what we have, what the Bible says that who we are and what we have in Christ. And we're told that we've got good reason to do that. Verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So we've got good news that Jesus died for our sins to bring us to God. And if you're trusting in him, then Hebrews is saying, the Lord is saying to us, hold on to that confession of your hope. Hold on to Jesus without wavering. And you can do so with confidence because the one who has given you this good news, the one who secured this for you, the one who's promised it to you is faithful. So you can count on him. He's not going to let you down. There's wonderful security and freedom in Jesus, in the gospel. You are, loved one, you're secure in Christ. What you have for in him is not something you have achieved, but something you've received. Right down to your very identity. Who you are in Jesus. You know, the, the world tells us you gotta, you know, you gotta find yourself. It often tells us implicitly, you kind of got to create your own identity. Well, that's not what it is in Christ. The Christian worldview says that, that, that who, who we are in Christ is who God says we are. We're children of God. We're beloved of his. When you repent and believe on Jesus, you're, you're joined to Jesus forever. And that, that's, that's who we are. And so there's a wonderful freedom in that. If you're going around trying to, trying to create your own identity and maintain your own identity, that's an impossible burden to be under because you're going to have to perform that thing and carry out that thing. But listen, in Jesus, he's done it for you. And the wonderful thing is, and here's what you got to hold on to, in the midst of the trials and the troubles and the pressures and the pains, you got to hold on to this reality that in Jesus, God loves you today perfectly and fully as much as he'll love you a thousand years from now in heaven when you're perfected. And your performance today does not impact that. You're, you're secure in him. So if you're weary, if you're troubled, you're not being picked on. Remember, we are on planet earth here. This is not heaven. This is earth. Joy comes in the morning, but it's not morning yet. So as we press on, what you got to do is you got to hold on to Jesus. I am secure in him. I am loved in him. I am welcomed in him. You need to know who it is you are in him and hold on to that good news that Christ is risen. As surely as he is risen, he is alive in me today. And as surely as he died for my sins, I am forgiven. I can trust in him. I can count on him. You got to hold the gospel tightly. Draw near to God personally. Hold the gospel tightly. Thirdly, we must encourage each other continually. We must encourage each other continually. Notice verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. You see, the Christian life is not just status quo. 
when you're truly born again, is that you, you haven't just said a prayer and now you're going to hold on and wait till heaven. No, no. There's a life you're called to live now. When, when, you're, when you are in Christ, the Lord works in you and changes you and uses you. And you've got, you've got a ministry. And, and uh, uh, what we're called to do is we're, we're called to, uh, yeah, to, to reach the world with the gospel and to minister to each other, to encourage each other along the way. That's why he says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. You see, see, there's, there's something that is so necessary for us to see, and that is that we have a vital ministry for each other. There's something we're to do for one another. It's something that's mutual. It's, it's one another. I do it for you. You do it for me. Uh, it, it happens when we meet. When we get together. Now, that's especially difficult these days, isn't it? So we got to get creative, don't we? That's why we use things like Zoom and FaceTime. And, and uh, we're sending a lot of more text messages maybe than we used to. Or Messenger. Or doing whatever it is that you're doing. But notice he says, verse 20, 24, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Verse 25, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. So see, even in the early church, there's people who didn't, didn't feel like going to church some days. But the, 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 the call here is for us to be faithful to meet together. Why? Because we need each other. I need you and you need me. God has made no provision for you and I to run this race called the Christian life on our own without the ministry of others. It's necessary for all believers and, and especially so uh, as, we, as we continue on. He says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Reminds me of Matthew 24 and 12, where Jesus said that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Now, what we see here in this text is that God has ordained that you and I will triumph over that temptation to grow cold, that pitfall of growing cold, by ministering to one another. As we stir each other up, literally incite one another to love and good works. Often when we incite somebody to do something, maybe we incite them to anger, right? Like, you know, if I cut you off on the highway out there this afternoon, you know, I might incite you to lay on the horn and to shake your fist at me or something, right? If I called you a name, you know, I might incite you to maybe call me a name back. Well, but you, so you know what it is to incite somebody to anger, right? Well, well, turn that around now in a Christian context to incite one another not to anger, but to love and to good works, to provoke one another in a good way, to honor the Lord, to serve the Lord. Let us consider how to do this for one another. It calls, I think, for some creativity, right? Which is why we've, in these days especially, we've had to get creative. And I'm sure maybe there's ideas you've had about how we can continue in that way. The key, though, is that by whatever means we can, we've got a job to do in ministering to each other. I need the ministry of other believers, okay? I cannot live the Christian life. I cannot persevere in the Lord without the ministry of others, okay? That's why I can't cut myself off from other people, I, I, can't, I can't just stay home every week when church is open and on the couch, okay? I, ca I can't do that because I need other believers. I can't just, I can't not get on the phone with other believers. I cannot, I need, I need the ministry 
of others. You know, this week I was doing a little bit of Bible study in 2 Timothy and looking at the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And I thought it was so interesting, the example that Paul sets there in terms of how we minister to each other. I keep, you know, I'm saying here that we must encourage each other continually. So I think, well, what does that look like? Well, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, Paul shows us something. Maybe you just want to turn there with me. And I'm not going to do an in-depth study with you. I just want to, just by way of example, uh, to show you uh, what Paul the Apostle does. And you have to bear with me while I find 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, Paul says there in verse 3, he says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. What did Paul do? Paul's writing to Timothy. And what did Paul do for him? He prayed for him. Well, that's one way we minister to each other. We, we pray for one another. And you can do that on your own. You can also do that with each other. You say, no, Ross, we're not, we're supposed to keep apart from each other. Yeah, but you don't have to stay apart from each other on the phone, right? What, what if, what if this week, what if this week you prayed with, with one person on the phone? And just think in terms of our church family at Arendelle, what if every single person in our church prayed with somebody else on the phone this week? What would happen? I think our church would be encouraged, don't you? Paul prayed for Timothy. Um, he also, he affirmed Timothy too. He says, verse 5, he says of 2 Timothy 1, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. He had these wonderful Christian women in his life. And he says, a faith, uh, and that, that it's a faith that now I am sure dwells in you as well. These aren't just empty words. What was Paul doing? He saw evidence of God at work in Timothy's life, and he pointed it out to him. He affirmed him in the faith. Sometimes that's what I need. I need maybe, as, and sometimes it's what you need too. You need the ministry of another, just like I need the ministry of another, to affirm me in who I am in Jesus, to, to point out the evidences of God's grace in my life, not to puff me up, but to encourage me that God's at work in my life and to remind me the truths of the gospel and to, to remind me of who I am in Jesus. Some of you have been blessed lately. I know that uh, Doug Sargent has been uh, putting together little, just little daily thoughts about about who it is that we are in Christ. And I know I, I've been blessed by many of those, and some of you have as well. And if you don't get those, you reach out to him, and I'm sure he'd be glad to, to include you, to send those your way. Um, because it's so, we need to be affirmed in, in our faith in the Lord. I also see that, um, that Paul, uh, he, he, he exhorted Timothy. He said to Timothy, he said, For this reason I remind you, verse 6, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. What's happening there? Timothy had a problem that maybe you can relate to. He was gifted by the Lord to serve the Lord, but he was afraid. He was timid. And you know what? He, he, could, he was articulate. He could preach the gospel, but he had this fear of doing it. Maybe you can relate to that. You know, those times when it's time to speak up and you're just afraid. And, you know, there's, there's maybe opportunities to share the good news, but you just kind of want to duck and cover. Well, Timothy could relate to that. But what did Paul do for him? He exhorted him to, to not let his gift go to waste, but to serve the Lord. Sometimes that's what I need too. I need people to, to exhort me to, 
Ross, you, you need to step forward and to do this and, and to encourage me along, along the way. We also need reminders about who God is. And if we had more time, we could go on in depth study. But in verses nine, uh, in verses nine and 10, Paul reminded Timothy about the God of the gospel and what Jesus had, what Jesus had done for him on the cross and uh, really the, the surety that he had in his relationship uh, with God. He says that God had, he tells that Timothy that God has a purpose for him. Verse 9, that God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus. God's got a purpose for you. He set you apart unto himself. Paul had a ministry of praying for, encouraging, affirming, exhorting, and reminding of the truth. Reminding of the gospel, pointing to God. That's what you and I got to do for each other. That's how we're going to persevere. We must encourage each other continually. We ask God for grace to be an encourager today. And actually, it's just, just think back over what we've said here. These three exhortations. We need to draw near to God personally. Will you draw near to God today? You say, Ross, it's been a while since I've drawn near. I don't even know where to start. Start with this. Say, God, I need you near. I need to be near to you. Remind yourself, too, that God, God, God doesn't drift away from us. You and I drift away from him. So here I am again, Lord. Lord, I need you. I've drifted from you, and it's not your fault, it's mine. But I come in the confidence that I'm welcome in Christ. And I come to you in need of you. I'm thirsty for you, Lord. Just start there. Just start Tell him, Lord, I need you. Open up his word and maybe just review the passage that we've read today. Talk to God about what you're reading here. Lord, I need to be near to you. Lord, I, I need this. And talk to him about, uh, about that, the importance of holding on to the gospel, Lord. I need, I need to cling to who I am in you. Lord, I need encouragement of others and I need to be encourager. Talk to God about what it is you're seeing in his word. Will you draw near to him? Loved one, will you rehearse the gospel today for yourself? Remind yourself of what it is that the Lord Jesus has done. Read through again Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 21 about Jesus making the way for us to be close to God. Remind yourself of the faithfulness of God. Remember that hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. Maybe you'd sing a hymn or a song about God's faithfulness. Go back and play that song about all his promises are yes and amen. Uh, will you rehearse the gospel for yourself today? Remembering who I am in Jesus is not based on my achievement, but on Christ's achievement for me. And will you receive the ministry of others? If somebody calls you or emails you or texts you or reaches out to you, Will you, will you receive their ministry? Maybe their word of encouragement, their word of challenge. Will you be a minister to others? Will you be a minister to others? Now, this is going to sound crazy, okay? And if you, this is too crazy for you, then don't do it. But if this will help you, then do it. Maybe today you're going to go to the mirror, and before the Lord, you're going to look in the mirror, and you're going to say, Ross, well, you're not going to say Ross, because you, you won't see me in your mirror, but if it's me, you're going to say, Ross, you got a ministry. And your ministry is with your church family. There's people in your church that need your ministry. Not because they need you, but because God has ordained that he will minister to them through you. 
just as he will minister to you through them. Just look yourself in the mirror and say, you're not pumping yourself up. It's before the Lord and you're applying God's word. Is there, and then think to yourself, is there somebody right now in my circle of influence who, who needs some prayer today? Maybe you call them or text them or email them a prayer. Maybe you'll ask them, you know, how did that doctor's appointment go? Ask them like what we do in our small group. Our small group members will probably have a chuckle at this. Every time that we get together, we start off with our highs and our lows. What's well, one high and one low from their week, from our week. And the reason we do that is it just kind of helps us uh, get talking a bit together. But also, the Bible says that we're to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And there's kind of an application that we have there in our group when we gather to find out what's the good and what's the not so good that's happened so we can encourage each other and rejoice together and pray for each other intelligently. Will you, will you, will you reach out and show care for someone this week? Ask them they're high. Ask them they're low. Because we got a ministry to do. Draw near to God personally. Hold the gospel tightly. Encourage each other or minister to each other continually. Of those three things, which one is most pressing for you today? Will you do it? Father, we need you to give us strength, Lord. We see here in this passage that you have means of strengthening us. Give us grace, O Lord, to respond in faith. And Lord, to be strengthened by you as we do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. of God born of His Spirit washed in His blood This is my story This is my song Praising my Savior all the day long this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect perfect delight, visions of burst on my side angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy whispers of love this is my story this is my song Savior all the day long 
This is my story This is my song Praising my Savior All the day the day.